0: What does it take to be an elite basketball player in the NBA? Well, I've been learning about it by watching The Last Dance on Netflix. It's been extraordinary to watch Michael Jordan's career, one of the greatest superstars of basketball, to see him flying through the air, slam dunking the ball, defeating the defences of the opposition, scoring like nobody else has scored. And what's been fascinating, even as you've watched the footage, is that you get interviews with all the different characters who were there, and they tell their different parts of the story. And you even see what Michael Jordan thinks about it as he looks back on it all. Absolutely amazing. But I want to say that it's not as amazing as what we discover about Jesus. Uh, In a sense, what we've got here is um, Mark is a documentary editor, and he has put Uh, the details together about the extraordinary life of Jesus of Nazareth. Uh, Mark uh, has interviewed one of the key guys who was there, Simon Peter, that we read about in this account even today. Um, He was someone who traveled with Jesus. He saw what Jesus was like in public and also behind the scenes and Mark records it all for us. And if this is the first talk you've actually listened to today, then I would encourage you to listen to what happened last week because nothing can can compare with Jesus. And we, we saw him walking up to men doing their everyday jobs and he commands them, come and follow me. And there's something about him. They just drop everything and they follow him because they want to learn from him. We heard the murmur of the congregation in the synagogue blown away by his teaching. And if that wasn't enough, towards the end of that particular Sunday, or that Saturday, a kind of a crazy looking guy stands up and starts shrieking, I know who you are, you're the Holy One of God, he said. And yet Jesus is able to stop him with just a few words. Again, at the end of that same day, Peter will never forget it. uh, Jesus came home and... Uh, his mother-in-law who was sick with a fever, Jesus healed her. And then the word got out, the whole of the town seemed to be at his door and um, they wanted to be healed as well. And Jesus healed many of them one day in the life of Jesus. What an extraordinary person. And so what happens next in Mark's account is going to be surprising to some. And what I want us to consider uh, in our time today is the priority of King Jesus and the compassion of King Jesus as we look at the section today. So let's just think about the priority of King Jesus. I mean, can you imagine the faces of those disciples as they went to bed that Saturday night after witnessing everything Jesus had said and done that day? I mean, they must have been smiling all over their faces. They would backed a winner. I mean, here was a healing evangelist who could actually heal people. He seemed to have incredible power and authority even over uh, demonic spirits and he didn't even take up any offerings. And the whole town had been there that night because of what he was able to do. A few more days like this, and my goodness, the whole of Israel will be crowding at Peter's door, and they're going to need some fish suppers. And, well, they know some good businesses that could deal with them uh, for the fish. And who's going to be there right at his side when all this fame spreads? Well, it's going to be the disciples standing right next to Jesus. That's what they must have been thinking as they went to bed that night. But, of course, the next morning, They were in for a big surprise. Jesus did not join them for breakfast. It got awkward. They start looking around the house. Big shock. He's not there. Why? Well, Mark tells us uh, in verse 35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. This is one of three times in Mark's account that it tells us that Jesus went off to pray and it always seems to be at a crisis moment perhaps the most famous one is the night before his crucifixion where he goes to the garden of gethsemane but what is the crisis here it seems to be a clash of agendas Uh, there's the agenda of the crowds Uh, look at verse 37 they uh, simon and his companions eventually find jesus and and uh, with some Uh, probably exasperation, exclaimed to him, everyone is looking for you. They hunted Jesus down because they want to pull him back. They want Jesus the healer back in Capernaum. That's what the crowds want. And it's understandable, isn't it? Because when you're sick and you're unwell and you're suffering, to be healed would be amazing. There must have been temptations to see the crowds. I mean, what keeps um, comedians and... and, um, big rock bands keep doing tours when they've made lots of money. Uh, Apparently, it's it's the buzz of the crowds, and maybe Jesus is aware of that. You know, the, the, the dream phrase for YouTubers and social media influencers would be exactly what they were saying here. Everyone is looking for you. Oh, great. They're looking for me. That's not Jesus's response. And perhaps aware of the temptation, he got up early in the morning to pray. He goes to a deserted place before the sun comes up in order to get away from all distractions and the attention of others. And the motive really was to fellowship with his Father, to seek God's will and his guidance. It seems that this early morning of prayer helped Jesus focus on God's priority. For Jesus said to them, Verse 38, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so that I can preach there also. That is why I have come. This is an important mission statement of Jesus, isn't it? His priority is not to heal, but to preach the good news. I think it's quite shocking to us. We have very low view of preaching and preachers today. Um, When people want to say something negative about a book or a documentary, they'll say, well, the problem is it gets a bit preachy. I'm a child of the 80s and and Madonna's hit keeps going through my head. Papa, don't preach. I'm in trouble deep. People don't like preaching. It's not prized in our society. What our society does prize is health. I mean, Thursday nights, outside, 8 o'clock, everyone's clapping the NHS on our street because we so appreciate the doctors and the nurses and everyone in the NHS who are basically helping to care for people who are sick and, uh, and seeking to save people's lives. And we appreciate it. That's why we clap. But here is Jesus, who really did have the power to heal people instantly from their diseases with just a touch. And yet he says his priority is to be a preacher rather than a healer. Now, how can that be so? That's surprising to us. And yet he uses this time of prayer to strengthen him to this main priority, because he knows that preaching the good news of God is more important than healing all the physical diseases around us. Now, that might be a surprise to some listening in. You see, there is a bigger problem than our medical problem, and it's a spiritual problem. How do, Why do we experience uh, sickness and, and disease and death anyway? The Bible says it's because we have separated ourselves from the, the, the God who gives life. Our, our sins are an offence to a holy God. To go through life ignoring the one who gives all good things in life to us uh, is to go through life with great anxiety and to end life in tears and eternal separation. And Jesus knew this. And that's why his priority was to preach the good news of God he had come to deal with the more fundamental problem of our sin and our broken relationship with God. He had come to preach that the kingdom of God was near, and that there was a way back into God's kingdom, which was made possible because of his death and resurrection. You see, more than we need a vaccine for COVID, we need forgiveness of our sins. More than we need to be restored to health, we need to be restored in our relationship with God. And I think as a Christian church, we need clarity on this. There are lots of people out there who will suggest so many different priorities that the church should focus on. Lots of good things, you know, providing loving community for those who are lonely, counseling the anxious, coaching people out of debt, feeding the hungry, helping the homeless find shelter, freeing people from their addictions and slavery. But you know, if we only do those things, and forget to preach the good news about Jesus, then we've missed the most important thing. We've dealt only with the superficial problem rather than the greatest problem. John Piper, the author and uh, pastor from America, uh, said this, Christians are against all suffering, especially eternal suffering. And that's why we must preach the gospel, how people can be saved from that. Now, my Christian friends, do we believe it? Is that obvious in our practice? Is it obvious in our prayer times when we um, go around the room asking for prayer? Are we only talking about our diseased relatives and friends? Of course, it's, it's not wrong to pray about such things. I mean, when I'm ill, I'm praying to be made better. Who isn't? But we must not forget the priority of Jesus that he taught his disciples to pray. He said, this is then how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is the priority of King Jesus. And so he leaves the crowd in Capernaum. He begins traveling around the whole area so he can preach to others in the north of the country. So, the priority. Secondly, let's consider with me what motivates Jesus, the compassion of King Jesus as he encounters this leper. Leprosy in Jesus' day was incurable. It was disfiguring and contagious, highly contagious. Uh, it, 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 it's a horrible disease. I thought about showing some pictures of people with advanced leprosy, but to be honest, it's too disturbing. It attacks the sensory system, so you lose all sense of feeling in your skin. It, it causes muscle weakness, it disfigures, it causes great disability. Infections and sores mean you lose bits of your body. One person has described it as death by inches or centimetres. The dread of catching this infectious, incurable disease meant that lepers were required to socially distance themselves from normal society for the rest of their lives and we read it from the old testament book of leviticus 13 earlier the leper was supposed to wear torn clothes and and have his hair grow out and and uh, if he was to see people he would have to shout out unclean unclean he was supposed to cover his mouth you are not only in a deadly disease that's going to kill you but you're cut off from your community you're in social isolation for for the rest of your life, and you're blocked from any uh, possibility of going to the temple where you can worship God and offer sacrifices. You are unclean. Now, Mark has just told us about the priority of King Jesus. He, He wants to focus on preaching rather than healing. And at this point, Jesus is stopped in his tracks by this leper who ignores all the rules. He's not supposed to come close, and yet he throws himself on his knees before Jesus. He's totally desperate, isn't he? He's begging Jesus he says if you are willing you can make me clean and notice the issue with me uh, a man with leprosy uh, has heard all the reports of Jesus healing other people and so he knows the issue is not the ability of Jesus uh, the real question is whether Jesus is willing to heal him willing to change and transform his life is he willing to stop and meet his needs. I mean, there were many lepers at that time. There were many blind people, many people suffering. Why should Jesus bother with him? And we could ask the same question of ourselves, wouldn't, couldn't we? Why would God bother with me? When we understand what our sin is like, it, it, it's, it's a form of disfiguring corruption in us to a holy God. It's deadly it will take us to eternal separation from God and there's there's no good reason why he should bother with us at all apart from this beautiful revelation of what God is like by seeing his son Jesus here I mean Jesus could have treated him as we perhaps treat many beggars on the streets of Edinburgh we give him a wide berth keep on going I mean, people today are worried about catching COVID. People are paranoid about being within two meters. Imagine if the people had leprosy. Of course you would give them a wide berth. And why Jesus has got a mission? Why doesn't he do that? But to our great relief, he doesn't do that. And the reason for that is, although there is this pressure from the crowds, we find that there's a pressure within Jesus. Verse 41 is a puzzle, isn't it? Jesus was indignant. Jesus experiences anger as he looks at this man. Now from what follows I don't think that he's angry that the leper broke the rules of social convention and came near. What Jesus is angry about is seeing the effects of leprosy and, and the wretchedness of this man's situation and the sight of it made him angry. You know, Jesus sees the full consequences of Adam's original rebellion and sin. The curses of the fall are seen in the tragedy of this diseased man. And Jesus had a gut reaction, a sort of a visceral visceral response to this heartache. And here we see the wonderful compassion of King Jesus as he reaches out his hand and touches the man. It must have been so dramatic. When had he last been touched by another person? And then to hear the gracious words of power, I am willing, be clean. Immediately, verse 42, the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. If you were to spend time uh, looking through the Old Testament book of Leviticus, you'll see over and over that if you touch an unclean thing, you made yourself unclean. And so actually by touching this leper, Jesus is taking onto himself the uncleanness of this man. But what happens to this man as he's touched by the holiness and the wholeness of Jesus is he experiences healing and cleansing. And I just think this is a beautiful picture of salvation. This is why Jesus came. This is what he accomplished in his death on the cross. The sinless Holy One swaps places with with sinners, lepers like us so that we can be cleansed and whole. The cross of Jesus is the place where through faith we can be touched by Jesus. He takes all the sin and decay and death upon himself and we in return receive forgiveness, healing and life. Notice his words are full of creative power. The old rabbis used to say that uh, the possibility of cleansing a leper was the equivalent of raising the dead. It didn't happen very often. One incredible miracle takes place here. God can do it. Uh, where fingers and toes have been uh, lost, suddenly healthy ones appear. Where pussy, um, sore skin is covering, it's replaced with healthy skin. This is new birth. This is resurrection. Uh, this is the good news of God. This is why Jesus had come. he came to a sick and um, dying world to bring forgiveness and eternal life. You know... Becoming a Christian doesn't mean you're not going to get illness and disease, doesn't mean you're not going to die of COVID. Many dear saints have already. Jesus didn't come to, to empty doctor's surgeries. He came to empty graves. And his miracles were not sort of um, magic tricks to impress. They were signs of what the coming kingdom would be like. That when Jesus returns in glory and the dead are raised and everyone will be changed, then there'll be no more sickness, no more disease, no more shame, no more social isolation. Uh, We will be with him and with his people forever. So this is the real Jesus. We've seen the priority of King Jesus to preach the good news. We've seen the compassion of Jesus uh, as he... Is willing to touch and trade places with the leper but you might be thinking to yourself well hang on how does that last bit fit with the compassion of jesus because jesus sends him away uh, at once with a strong warning uh, see that you don't tell this to anyone but go show yourself to the priest and after the sacrifices that moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them he says now what's that about Well, the bit about going to the priest was required, as we read in the Old Testament earlier in our service today. Uh, The priests also acted kind of like um, medical health professionals, checking that there was no diseases and giving them the right to go back into the community to say, look, you're not infective anymore. You're welcome to come back. Um, But the other aspect of the silence, why is he told to effectively shut up? The the command of silence is very odd, but I think most likely it goes back to the issue of Jesus's priority. He knew what would happen if news of this healing of the leper got out. And practically you could see the impact of what did happen when this man uh, failed to keep silent. Jesus could no longer walk into town without getting mobbed by crowds. Ironically, at the beginning, the leper is outside the community, Jesus is free to walk about. By the end, Jesus has to stay in the lonely, deserted places, and the leper is welcomed into the community. They do trade places in such a dramatic way. For such is the fame of Jesus that even in the deserted places, people sought him out to to find him. It's, of course, it's hard to blame uh, this leper, isn't it? To experience such an incredible transformation and healing, I mean, it's almost impossible to to keep quiet about And you know, when we grasp the wonder of the good news of Jesus, who he is, what he's achieved in his death upon the cross, how he can transform our lives, it's quite hard to keep quiet about it. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. So can I ask you, have you come to Jesus and humbly asked him to make you clean? You know, if you've never done that, you could do it today. You could do it right now. Here's the wonderful thing we learn from this account. He is able and he is willing. Yeah, he might be angry at our sin and, and what the sin has done to us and what we've done because of our sin, but he is compassionate and he is willing. Should we ask him? He can make us clean and right before God. All the sin and shame of the past washed away. And my Christian friends, uh, here we see in Jesus, his priorities. And really, are, they are the same priorities for Christian ministry today. Prayer, preaching, people. Prayer. You know, we've got a unique time at this lockdown. We've got more time. Let's not waste it. Let's, let's try and grow in our prayer life. Let's, you know, if it gets busy in your house, get up early. That's what Jesus did. And make time to talk to your Heavenly Father. Develop that relationship. May it go stronger at this time. Obviously, we can't get close to people. Uh, but maybe this is a great time where we, as we pray, we might think of specific people that maybe we could encourage on the phone. Uh, Maybe there are friends and family who who don't know the good news about Jesus and we could send them links to these sermons so they could actually discover Jesus for themselves and we could pray on that they would see how amazing Jesus is. And when we have opportunity, we might not be those who can preach to uh, hundreds of people, but we can all share the good news about Jesus, what he's done in changing and transforming lives. And we can point people to how he is their compassionate saviour and king if they will only come humbly before him well my friends what an amazing person love basketball love the NBA fascinated by Michael Jordan he doesn't compare to the glory of Jesus I tell you what you're never going to believe what he does next I mean you have to find out next week or you could read ahead in Mark's gospel it's up to you